Taking stock on News Talk. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling. This is Gavin McLaughlin with you on News Talks Taking Stock, and we're joined now by Santiago Perez, Deputy Editor for Latin America at the Wall Street Journal. Santiago, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're talking about El Salvador and their adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender, but, but the story starts really with the president there, President Bukele. Tell us about him and what got him elected. Well, uh, President Bukele is seen uh, as a newcomer, and in a way he was quite uh, disruptive. Um, so what we're seeing now is uh, a new elite essentially taking power. And that's because uh, the, you know, the bipartisan system that El Salvador had, I don't think it worked for Salvadorans. You know, income distribution problems were not solved. Crime and violence and uh, criminal violence was rampant. Emigration was quite an issue for Salvadorans. So Bukele essentially took over and he was quite disruptive on several fronts. But uh, having said that, from a public policy perspective, uh, he's been also uh, somewhat authoritarian. And, uh, and the rollout and the adoption of Bitcoin shows, it's, it's a good example of how Bukele works with this inner circle. And he, he essentially is seen as someone who, um, you know, takes decisions that could be quite relevant for the country. But uh, when it comes to consultation and, and, and getting consensus about it, uh, it is quite weak. So that's a main problem. For, that's a big problem for, for uh, this administration. His election campaign centered on what? How should we think about him? Is he one of the sort of populist uh, politicians? We've seen plenty of those emerging over the last few years. Or, or, or what was he? Yeah, especially in Latin America. Uh, so he essentially wanted to drain the swamp, so to speak. And, uh, and, that, and that caught on. And um, actually, in May, when we had uh, midterm elections in El Salvador, he won by a landslide. And we need to take into account that this happened, you know, at the midst of the pandemic. And it, it, what he did was quite remarkable from a, an electoral perspective. So he's very popular. He's actually among the most popular presidents in Latin America. He's uh, by far, he gets the best approval ratings. But having said that, the Bitcoin adoption is not popular. Polls show that, you know, most Salvadorans are not in favor of this uh, policy or this adoption. Okay, so maybe that could be a potential weight on his popularity going forward. What's yes, the economic sure. context? How is the country doing economically? You mentioned emigration is a problem. Tell us a bit more about the El Salvador economy. Okay, you need to take into account that El Salvador is a super tiny country. It's, uh, uh, you know, one of the smallest uh, nations in Latin America. The economy is quite tiny. It's um, $26 billion. So that gives you an idea that, you know, maybe, I'm, I'm sure Dublin's economy is far uh, larger. And um, so you have an economy of $26 billion. Um, it's a country of 6 million inhabitants. And uh, you have almost 3 million Salvadorans living in the U.S. And they contribute to the Salvador's economy in a very significant way. Last year, they sent close to $6 billion in remittances. So that gives you a big idea uh, in terms of like, you know, how important immigration is for El Salvador. Uh, El Salvador essentially has been an exporter of 
low-skilled workers. That's a, that's a reality. And uh, this happens as a country essentially went through uh, a wave of criminal violence. That was one of the elements that uh, became a, a push factor, so to speak. And, and then what, domestic have, industry wise, what are we what are we talking? Is it commodities or is it something else? Yeah, it has some exports, uh, copper exports. Uh, it has also some uh, maquila uh, factories, which are essentially low skilled, labor intensive uh, factories that export, for example, garment to the U.S. And they also get some uh, revenue from tourism. That that's essentially Salvadorans going back home visiting relatives. And, and you also have some um, some resorts or, or beach towns that are popular with global surfers. So those are the main sources of revenue for the country at this stage. Okay, so we've got good context there, I think, uh, around what, what the country is like. So why is Mr. Bukele bringing in Bitcoin as legal tender? What's he saying is the reason? Well... He says that Bitcoin could give a, an edge to El Salvador when it comes to innovation. Being such a poor country, they, the government claims that El Salvador has always been behind uh, when it comes to innovation. So they say that Bitcoin could be a tool to foster growth, to provide uh, affordable financial services, to lower uh, transaction costs, especially for people who live in the U.S., and want to send money to uh, relatives back home. That's how Bukele has justified this ad adoption. But, you know, there are a lot of elements that go against this idea. So it's quite controversial on several fronts. Absolutely. How does it work for, for citizens? How do you get your hands on Bitcoin to spend if you want to do that? So essentially, the government is spending more than $150 million of uh, taxpayers' money on the rollout of, uh, of Bitcoin. So uh, what it's doing is uh, they are developing, they developed a wallet called Chivo, which means cool in uh, Salvadoran slang. And uh, they are giving uh, the equivalent of a stimulus check of uh, $30. So people can use the equivalent of $30 to buy goods or pay for services in Bitcoin. Uh, so you, so you, you, can, down, you download this app and you have this, you have this automatically there for you. And you have a credit of $30. The problem is that the rollout has been quite uh, bumpy, but so far you have 1.5 million Salvadorans, Salvadorans signing up to this wallet. So that's pretty ambitious for yeah, a country well, the size of, of El Salvador, uh, for such a poor country as well. Yeah, and that, that's a quarter of the population in, in a very short space of time. So... Uh, I mean, that's I know, not I, bad. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I know there have been, I've seen reports of, of technical problems with the thing and that, but uh, certainly that's, that is a lot of people. Now, one of the issues, though, is a, a lot of talk about Bitcoin is that it's great for democratizing finance. It can bring people, maybe who don't have a bank account, into the world of e-commerce because they all they need basically is a smartphone and they can have one of these Bitcoin wallets. But a lot of people in El Salvador don't have the internet. Am, am I right in saying that? So they, they'll still be excluded. Well, you're right. You may have a smartphone, for example. But if you want a data plan, what uh, Salvadorans do is that they pay for like, you know, $5 so they can have access to WhatsApp for a few days. So that's a big obstacle. 
because most of these people make, what, $300 a month, $400 at best. So for them, data plans can be quite expensive when it comes to having internet access. So uh, that's one technical challenge for the government. So if you want to democratize access to financial services, first, you need affordable internet access. So that's a big question mark as to whether this will work or not. That's one element. The second element is whether this really foster financial inclusion and provide affordable financial services. But there's also no guarantee that that would happen because, I mean, they may not be using cash and you may use Bitcoin, but that doesn't give you access to financial services. Uh, it's not that you will get a loan denominated in Bitcoin or any type of financial service, starting with like, you know, a basic savings account, for example. So that's a weak element as well. Our guest here on News Talk is Santiago Perez, deputy editor for Latin America at the Wall Street Journal. One of the other weaknesses, of course, is the volatility of this thing. I mean, it seems impossible to have legal tender that's this volatile. Of course. I mean, Bitcoin could be an effective asset for some people who have the stomach and, uh, and they may want to, you know, have a, a, a um, exposure on volatile assets that may be profitable over a, a period of time. But, you know, as a means of exchange, the volatility makes it quite uh, difficult. Uh, and imagine you're, you're working in, in Washington, D.C., uh, at a restaurant, you want to send money to your relatives back home, back home, say to your mom who's 70. Do you really want to take the risk to send Bitcoin? I mean, one day it could be profitable, but then the following day, your mom may lose like 30% of what you sent. So um, this is a very relevant factor. Just uh, when, when you mentioned volatility, it's, it's a huge problem. Yeah, and the same goes for small businesses in El Salvador. If they, you know, are being told that this is legal tender now, they're taking in this money, and and the next day it's worth thirty percent less than than what it was the previous day. So that's that's clearly a big issue. So it uh, is. it, it, it's been brought in. I think roughly a month ago was when this started, and you mentioned that one and a half million people have signed up, which is a big number, but that nevertheless it's proving unpopular in the opinion polls. So, so let's just talk a bit more about how it's actually been going, Santiago, in, in this period of a month. Well, let me clarify something. I was in San Salvador uh, about a month ago, and businesses were not that uh, negative about it. Some business owners were actually pretty uh, open to the idea, and they were looking forward to the adoption. Why? Because they said that essentially gives them Another option for clients, uh, another payment option. They saw that as a positive element. Having said that, on a more like you know, on a wider level, the private sector and the industry groups and uh, business chambers and associations they were at first in favor. The problem was that it was this was never discussed, or even there was no effort to have a, a wider consensus. So that was a big problem, and uh, they didn't like the fact that it had to be mandatory for businesses to accept Bitcoin. So that's one issue. Having said that, this will be a gradual process. We need to see whether this would uh, 
become either like just a marginal element of El Salvador's economy or whether it could be something that may wreck El Salvador's economy because of the volatility. And uh, at some point, Salvadorans may dump their Bitcoin hold, uh, holdings and that may create more dollar demand and that may strain the reserves that the central bank has. So that's one problem. On the other hand, and, and based on, on your question, there are political issues because Mr. Bukele essentially has launched an effort to tighten his grip on institutions in El Salvador. The Supreme Court, he wants to uh, change the constitution to, so he can be reelected. Bilateral relations with the U.S. are in bad shape right now because of, uh, of these uh, maneuvers to tighten political control. And that could be a problem that can also foster political and economic turmoil going forward. Yeah, well, I think economic turmoil, certainly the bond market seems to think that's more likely now. This has caused problems in the bond market. It's pushed up bond yields. Exactly. And you know why that is? Because El Salvador is also requesting a bailout package from uh, the IMF. We need to keep in mind that El Salvador adopted the dollar as national currency two decades ago. That provided some stability to the country, especially when it comes to inflation. But that means that El Salvador is not able to have its own monetary policy or print money for that matter. So essentially, they need the dollars. So they requested a, a, a program to the IMF in the order of 1.3 billion. But the IMF has been somewhat reticent because, you know, the institutional drift that Mr. Bukele is essentially pushing for is a weakening institutions. So that's a problem for the IMF and for the U.S. And there's also a, a perception that Mr. Bukele's priorities may not be related to reaching uh, economic instability, but quite the opposite. So that's also a problem. And then in some cases, IMF programs may demand some uh, budget cutting and tighter uh, budget spending. And those measures aren't popular. So uh, that may not be the incentive that Mr. Bukele is looking for. So that's a problem uh, when it comes to macroeconomic issues. I think most El Salvadorans have said they're going to stick with the dollar. And, and I suppose one thing we should remember when we're talking about 1.5 million people downloading this wallet, I mean, it's free money. Everyone's going to exactly. take it. But yeah. it doesn't mean that you're going to stick with the thing. Exactly. I think that's a very accurate projection. Now we need to see what happens on different levels of the economy, whether big companies will be accepting Bitcoin or uh, having significant Bitcoin holdings. Banks, for example, they won't have Bitcoin uh, in their, on their books. Uh, what they will do is that they will accept Bitcoin as payment and they will convert that into dollars. But there's another very relevant element which is related to illicit transactions with Bitcoin. As you know, uh, organized crime like crypto assets because of the anonymity of some of these uh, transactions. So that's a problem for banks because they may need to step up risk and compliance efforts. And this is really relevant for banks because they need to work with banks in the U.S. because of the uh, remittance flow from Salvadorans living in the U.S. 
So the big risk for banks is that at some point, US banks facing uh, this type of uh, risk and compliance requirements may decide to cut ties with Salvadoran banks. So for Salvadoran banks, this is really important and they need to make sure that there's no you know, uh, opportunities for organized crime to start using Bitcoin in El Salvador as a vehicle for illicit transactions. Okay, so it sounds, Santiago, like, I suppose not unsurprisingly, there are a lot of risks associated with this policy. And, and it seems to me like it might be poised if uh, the people turn against this idea and, you know, sort of more vociferously. Maybe Mr. Bukele will do a U-turn and say, you know what, let's uh, let's not have this as legal tender anymore. Well, that's one possibility. It's hard to tell at this stage. The other possibility is that, you know, they they have Bitcoin, they, they adopt Bitcoin as a national currency, and it's just a, a marginal development, and it fails to take off. But if you want to use it, you can do it. So uh, that's a bit of a mixed scenario. Uh, that it may not be like, you know, as disruptive as some people imagined, but it may not be that bad either. So that's also a possibility. Uh, it's hard to predict what will happen, but I think a lot of governments and institutions are really monitoring this effort and see whether it works or not. It was rushed. I mean, essentially in three months, El Salvador uh, essentially passed, uh, they first passed a three-page bill which was uh, crafted and drafted by uh, by foreigners, essentially, by um, crypto um, advocates in the US and, um, and other members of uh, Mr. Bukele's inner circle. And they are just um, essentially will be like a trial and error type of period. We'll see what, what will happen, but it's hard to tell at this stage. Okay, we leave it there, Santiago Perez. Deputy Editor for Latin America at the Wall Street Journal. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Goodbye. Taking stock on News Talk. Thanks to Skillnet Ireland, driving business success through innovative training and upskilling.